Is it a moment? Is it momentum? What is it? This is a movement. Um, I think at the beginning, a lot of us, because we know Mayor Pete and he's homegrown, that it was hard to believe. Our Pete? Is this real? But he is everywhere, man. I mean, the BBC, the Guardian. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Does the Bias Crimes Bill truly get Indiana off the list of states without a hate crime law? The governor says it does, but Democrats at the State House say that's not the case. While there is a list of protected characteristics like race, religion, and sexual orientation, other characteristics are not specifically mentioned, including gender, gender identity, and age. Our Haley Bull has more. This has been an issue drawing a lot of debate all session ultimately coming down to a 34 to 14 vote. Protecting victims of bias crimes, an issue everyone seemed to agree needed to be tackled this session. I'm very much disappointed with the process and disappointed with the product that we end up having. This is not a racist bill. This is not a homophobic bill. This is a bill to get bias crimes protection for every person in the state of Indiana. Tuesday, state senators voted 34 to 14 to agree with an amendment the Indiana House made to an unrelated bill. It added a list of protected characteristics after they were stripped out of a different bill. It does not include the words gender, gender identity, or age, leaving some. We do not think that this bill does what it's intended to do. Asking for more. If we need to, we will come back and we will try to add some of the missing pieces such as gender, um, gender identity and age into the code because we feel like that's critical if we want to say that we actually protect all measures. This version does include a person's real or perceived characteristic, trait, belief, practice, association or other attribute the court chooses to consider. Because it doesn't include everybody. Um, there's a lot of what I would describe as legal gobbledygook in there, which we're not sure how judges are going to interpret that and prosecutors are going to interpret that. We should have been clear. Democratic lawmakers say it doesn't protect all Hoosiers, while Republican leadership says it does. It's phrased in a way that, quite frankly, the, we should never have to touch this again because it's dynamic enough language to be able to ensure that whatever future issue there is, there's a remedy for it. Even though the words gender and gender identity aren't in the bill, the governor wrote in a statement, quote, it also will cover bias crimes committed because of other traits, such as gender or gender identity or sex or age and other commonly targeted groups. Reporting at the State House, I'm Haley Bull. Okay, Haley, thanks. Our Zach Myers caught up with Governor Holcomb earlier in the week, the day before the bill came up for a final vote in the Senate. The governor essentially saying he also wanted a fuller list, but still felt this bill was a step in the right direction. I have continued as late as uh, this past weekend to, to push with individual lawmakers that I prefer my language, that's uh, policy in my office. Um, but short of that, we have to come out of this legislative session uh, with, a, uh, with a biased crimes law that will protect everyone, all every single Hoosier in our state. This will be right. a step in the right direction, and every Hoosier, including gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, um, age, disability, um, race, faith, or no faith at all, will be covered. Now, we can continue to, to debate and discuss other traits and characteristics that should be added to that list, um, but this is a ginormous step forward. Meantime, the hate crime bill also came up when Indiana's former governor came to town on Thursday. He was asked about it. 
I haven't uh, followed it closely, uh, but uh, we condemn discrimination or acts of violence in, in all the forms. Vice President Mike Pence here in the Hoosier State Thursday with just a few words there on the hate crime bill. The focus for him in this visit, meeting with farmers to talk trade, a hot topic these days after the president had initially threatened to shut down the border altogether. Our Nick McGill was there as the VP spoke with Indiana farmers and with the media. Nick. The vice president is telling Indiana farmers to hold on. A new trade deal with Mexico in Canada is close to being pushed through. Meanwhile, farmers are telling him they're not sure how much longer they can hold on. Vice President and former Indiana Governor Mike Pence hoping to provide some comfort, speaking to Hoosier farmers about the future of U.S. trade. We're working every day to expand markets for agricultural products. But it was the farmer's message to the vice president that was arguably the loudest, saying the trade war with China, which has created massive cutbacks in exports of products like soybeans and pork, is now also cutting into their financial security. Well, my major concern is that uh, we're running out of time because farmers have had several years now that's been really tough from a financial perspective. That money's no longer there because we've used it to supplement paying bills that uh, we didn't recover from the, from the value of the production. The vice president says he hears them, adding the administration is working to help push their new trade deal with Mexico and Canada through Congress to help alleviate some of the burden. They've been burning through capital, burning through equity. So it's imperative that Congress act and act this spring to ratify the USMCA. The VP promising farmers he and the president are determined to push the deal through by spring. The farmers say they hope all trade issues are secured soon. Their livelihood depends on it. Suffice it to say that uh, as, my, as my equity erodes, so, so might my support. Whether Congress actually takes up the USMCA remains to be seen. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the House won't even look at the deal until Mexico changes its labor laws. For In Focus, I'm Nick McGill. Back to you. Nick, thank you. Meantime this week, the former vice president also in the news, Joe Biden under some scrutiny, responding to concerns from some women who said his physical contact in the past made them feel uncomfortable. While many in the party are coming to his defense, saying what he did was not disqualifying in terms of a possible run for president, here's how Biden might have made things a little worse on Friday. I just want you to know I had permission to hug Lonnie. I realize my responsibility is to not invade the space of anyone who is uncomfortable in that regard. And, uh, uh, and I, I hope it wasn't taken that way. Uh, Biden making light of it at this speech Friday, then clarifying afterwards. Meantime, here's how another 2020 Democrat, Indiana's own Pete Buttigieg, reacted to all the Biden news this week. I haven't had a chance to, to view the whole video, so I'll, I'll leave it to the VP to, uh, uh, to say what he wants to say. Uh, what I will say is that all of us today are being held to a very high standard, and that's not a bad thing. Meantime, Mayor Buttigieg with some news of his own. He'll be making his official announcement a week from today in South Bend. This weekend, he's been campaigning in New Hampshire, and that's where we find Adam Wren today, who's a contributing editor for Politico and a panelist here on In Focus. Adam's in New Hampshire this weekend covering the mayor and the lead-up to this big announcement next weekend. Adam, what are, what are you hearing about next Sunday's event, and what is the mood in this campaign as they prepare for the official launch next week? That's right, Dan. Yes, uh, the campaign is really positive right now. They say they have received 5,000 resumes 
from across the nation uh, for potential volunteers and staffers. Uh, they are inundated right now. They've just moved to a new campaign headquarters in South Bend, um, and they are planning to uh, unveil a new logo um, as well as uh, have an event that they expect to have uh, roughly 10,000 people at uh, next Sunday. Still a, a pretty stunning rise for someone who is currently mayor of a, a moderate-sized city in Indiana. And obviously out of New Hampshire is one of those early voting states where all the candidates want to be seen and heard. What are we seeing there in terms of the polling and the enthusiasm? You know, it was a crowded weekend in New Hampshire, Dan. Uh, there were a number of other candidates here in Manchester and Concord where Mayor Pete was. Uh, we saw uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand here from New York. We saw Senator Cory Booker here from New Jersey. Um, and Friday night in Manchester, uh, Mayor Pete had to actually move venues. Uh, his campaign at the last minute rescheduled what was supposed to be a meet and greet at a brewery here to a, a an actual rally at the Courier Art Museum in Manchester. So they are arguing right now that the, the Buttigieg campaign is more of a movement than a moment. All right. I'm sure we'll see you next week uh, in South Bend as well. Adam Wren there in New Hampshire for us today covering the Buttigieg campaign. Adam, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Good to be with you, Dan. Thanks. All right, up next, more of this week's top stories, including the latest back and forth over the Mueller report. We'll talk with Senator Todd Young about that and about the president's threats to close the border that he's now walked back. Plus, our panel will join us and we'll talk hate crimes, potholes, and the race for mayor with Senator Jim Merritt. It's all ahead on In Focus. All right, let's bring in our panel now. 2016 Vice Chair of the Indiana Trump Campaign, Tony Samuel. Two former state lawmakers, Democrat Christina Hale, Republican Mike Murphy, and former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. Thank you guys for being here today. We're going to start with the hate crime bill. What do you make of the final result? A huge missed opportunity. Um, it wasn't that much that people were asking for to put a detailed list into state law that included, I don't know, call me crazy, but gender. 51% of our state are women. I'm not actually protected. If someone murders me and carves in my forehead, I hate women. This law doesn't apply to me. And both sides, Mike, are taking the opportunity here to talk about the, the Stay optics away from of me, this. Mike. <laughs> and both sides somewhat saying, uh, yes, this does get us off the list. No, it does not. I don't care about lists. What this does is it, it protects all Hoosiers, no matter what their orientation, age, color, whether they're farmers or college students or whatever. What the media is missing is one important phrase, which it says in the bill um, that was signed by the governor, including but not limited to attributes described in another part of the state code. I think it's brilliant. It avoids uh, this uh, becoming you know, like the license plate bills of 142 characteristics listed. I think the governor was courageous and visionary, and I think he did a great job. The governor did, though, say that he wanted that fuller list. Uh, he's facing some criticism now from Democrats, as Jennifer uh, just uh, referred to. Here is what he told me before session started in terms of that fuller list of protections. Can the General Assembly pass a bill on hate crimes this year, and will sexual orientation and gender identity be a part of that bill? Do you want to see it pass uh, with those uh, protections as, as part of that legislation? Yes, I hope so, and yes, meaning yes, they can uh, and should. I don't think it's just uh, the right thing to do. I think it's overdue. All right, Tony, Christina, uh, how does the governor look coming out of this in your view? Well, I think he looks a little bit weaker for his effort. He clearly, clearly claimed that he wanted this list. He did not get what he wanted, so I think now he's trying to 
uh, put a little bit of lipstick on that pig. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he did not accomplish what he had committed to do. You see this differently? I do. I agree with Mike. I disagree with Christina and Jennifer. I uh, agree that the governor uh, deserves credit, but I think uh, the, the real brilliance of this session and getting this done came from Speaker Bosma and Representative Storwald, also Senator Aaron Freeman, Senator Hatch, and really a lot of folks deserve credit. You can still pick, uh, if you want to fight this or, or, or say something about it not getting done, I guess you can because it's a very complicated issue, but if you look at what Mike just showed us in the statute, it, it shows that nobody is disincluded. So it includes everybody, and, and that's key. That's very key, but it's complicated, and so you, you, you hear from both sides, but it's a shame that they're still knocking this because it did get done. The governor was very clear. His intention was to include gender and gender identity. It did not happen. It does. So, so, so let's, let's, instead of starting with a, a small list and growing the list, let's start with including everybody and then take away. And my question to you folks would be, who would you take out of the overall but list? But actually, I think that would have been a better strategy for Republicans okay. is to add in veterans, add in political affiliation, yeah. add in more saying, protections start, as opposed to taking out some pretty obvious Start with everybody and then take ones. out, like people wear high-U jackets, issue. people wear Purdue sweatshirts. As we well, really, say, people that wear Trump, in, people that wear Trump, Trump make America yes. great. Mm -hmm. uh, again, hats get we, we, but you could go on and on, but they are this way. We will talk about it more on our podcast for sure. Governor Holcomb also responding this week to reports concerning donations and two private jet rides. Our news gathering partners at the Indy Star report that a casino exec treated the governor uh, to those flights while he was pushing for gambling proposals that would benefit his business. The governor responded on Monday. I can tell you this, it wasn't, it wasn't a meeting about that. It was a, it was a um, trip out there and back. I overheard some discussions that they were having amongst themselves, but it wasn't, it wasn't asking me questions. You can read more about that story at IndyStar.com. Also this week, the IndyStar reporting the House Ethics Committee has hired an outside attorney to review claims against House Speaker Brian Bosma. The investigation over claims that Bosma used campaign funds to collect unflattering information about a former intern who claims she had a consensual sexual encounter with Bosma in the early 90s. Bosma denies that encounter. Of course, this week on the national level, a lot of talk about Joe Biden. Nancy Pelosi saying it's not disqualifying all of this, but now Biden facing more backlash for essentially making light of the situation in a speech on Friday. You heard the soundbite earlier as uh, the president also faces some backlash for joking about Biden's troubles in a post on Twitter. Everybody talking about this this week. You heard Pete Buttigieg earlier talking about Biden. It's an issue a lot of Democrats uh, are discussing this week in terms of the 2020 race. It absolutely is. And I've always liked Joe Biden. I still like Joe Biden. I don't like being touched by anyone. So maybe it was something that he did would have rubbed me the wrong way, literally, figuratively. I agree with Mayor Buttigieg. Everyone's being held to a higher standard, and that's a really good thing. Your thoughts? Well, I, I just sit here as a Republican, and I watch the Democrats just ripping each other to pieces over whether it's Joe Biden smelling somebody's hair or or uh, Pete Buttigieg saying a couple years ago that all lives matter. He's being attacked for that now. I mean, the Democrats are going to tear each other apart. I don't know if they're going to have anybody left standing to take on Trump. Are all of these side issues uh, hurting Democrats in, in the lead up to the primary? I don't think so. Not yet, anyway. I don't think it's gotten terribly ugly. 
Not that it couldn't, but if we're thinking back to 2016 in that Republican primary, we had so many candidates up on the stage. It was a very bloody primary. I hope Democrats are able to avoid that. You probably remember that primary. I do well. remember that, but I'm also <laughs> thinking about the 2012 Republican primary where you had folks like Herman Cain rising uh, yep. for a while and others, right. and it went back and forth, but it was the same kind of thing. Folks getting knocked down that we haven't, you know, it seems innocent what, what, when you're talking about Biden just grabbing and sniffing somebody's hair. But there's also reports that he swam nude in front of female Secret Service agents. This is going to get creepier and creepier, uh, and it's, it's going to hurt him in the end. But to my knowledge, he's never said grab anyone by the you know what. So I'm pretty sure we're talking about apples and oranges when we're talking about your guy, Tony. I know we'll talk about it more on the podcast as well. Also this week, as Democrats fight for the president's tax returns, there's also more news on the Mueller report. The New York Times reporting that some members of Mueller's team are telling people they don't agree with the attorney, General, attorney general's characterization of the report. This week, we caught up with Senator Todd Young on the Mueller probe and on this latest battle over the border. Clearly, there would be an adverse impact of, uh, of shutting down the border. The president's backed off of that, uh, and fortunately, uh, Mexico and the so-called triangle countries that are south of Mexico uh, have offered uh, a bit of cooperation with respect to the border security concerns. But it's very important that we do secure the border, and I know the president is focused on that. What do you think about the Mueller report? Should it be released in full to the public? Well, I'm glad the Attorney General uh, offered his conclusions early on. The American people were, of course, uh, curious after uh, these, this long investigation to know what happened. Um, I think we should move on and continue to do the people's business, which is make sure this economy continues to grow and we keep America safe and secure. And I know the Attorney General intends to continue to provide whatever additional information he can. All right, some thoughts on the news out of D.C. this week, uh, either on the Mueller report or on this uh, talk about closing down the border, something really more broadly on trade that the vice president had to deal with uh, during his issue here this week. Well, we're used to threats by Trump, and if I were Trump, I'd be focusing on an extraordinary jobs report this past week where they exceeded the production of new jobs by some 20,000. Instead, he has a way, as I said last week, he can't handle prosperity. He digs himself into stupid debates and having to backtrack when he should be talking about all the jobs he's just created in the last few months. Your thoughts on the week that was? Um, President Trump will find drama, no matter what. I agree with Mike. Why, why, why bring up controversy when he actually did have some economic news he could speak positively about? It doesn't make sense. All right, we've got to leave it there. Uh, President Trump, by the way, coming to Indianapolis uh, later this month for the NRA. All right, up next, we're talking about the race for mayor in Indianapolis as we ride along with Republican candidate Jim Merritt. Stick around. We'll be right back. Well, today marks one month until the May primary in this municipal election year. And in the race for mayor in Indianapolis, potholes have been issued number one. Here's Bob Donaldson. Everybody gets mad about potholes in Indianapolis. Everybody. I mean, you look at that. Combs, there are actually in the potholes themselves. So you avoid them in the potholes. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there we go. That was a shallow one. Wow, this is bad here. Yeah. Oh. oh. Hold on. Yeah. Um, wow, that was a big one. It there. was. It was a crater. Does it make you mad as you drive around? Well, it does make me mad because it could have been avoided. Jim Merritt's political career is now closely tied to the condition of Indy's pockmarked streets. The longtime state legislator is running for mayor against incumbent Joe Hogsett, and potholes are issue number one. We're really having a, a, a difficult time 
because there just wasn't maintenance, preventive maintenance. We did not prepare for this. Merritt doesn't give specifics on how he would maintain city streets better than Hogsett, at least not yet, but he's convinced he could do a better job. People will say Indianapolis is geographically so big, we have so many miles of roads, that it's difficult to keep them all in great shape. Is that just an excuse? It's an excuse. And you know what? Right now, it's just not good enough. We deserve better. And as you dodge. I did dodge that one. And I will not oh. dodge this. Potholes are not the only problem Merritt says he can solve. He says city leaders have failed to address the root causes of violence that have sent the murder rate soaring. One of the reasons why, Bob, I ran for mayor is because 47 kids under 25 years old were murdered last year. I truly believe that we need a hate crimes bill on the books. Jim Merritt faces another potential campaign issue, his past opposition of a hate crimes law and his support of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. With RIFRA and with hate crimes, you evolve. And I think I don't think people mind when you change your mind when not, not flip-flopping, but actually understanding where people are actually coming from for it. Jim Merritt and Joe Hogsett actually went to IU together. They were fraternity brothers. Merritt says his campaign is not personal. The point is this isn't about Joe Hogsett? No, this is not about Joe Hogsett. This is about leadership. This is about understanding how we did things with Luger, how we did things with Hudnut, and how we did things with Goldsmith. Much more on our website, including Merritt's statement on the hate crime bill that he voted for last week. Also, Mayor Hogsett's response on the pothole issue. And you can watch Bob's interview with Mayor Hogsett from earlier this year. And we're back with this week's Winners and Losers right after this. All right, time for this week's Winners and Losers. Jennifer, I'll start with you. I just have a winner, uh, Mayor Pete, with that amazing fundraising haul, and I wish him all the best as he probably launches his official bid next Big week. announcement of yep. some sort next Sunday. I think we all know what it is, Mike. I have one winner this week, Governor Holcomb, for courageously signing a hate crimes bill that covers all Hoosiers. Some debate about that. Christina. Winner Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffy McGraw, who not only is tremendously accomplished as a 30-year coach, but also as an advocate for women. Loser Indiana Farmers. They're losing equity every day. Tony. To end on a lighter note, winners are my kids, Lily and Noah, who's in studio with us for letting uh, mom and dad take them to the Justin Timberlake concert. Oh, there you go. Week. I can't wait to hear about that on the podcast, maybe, right? We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. We continue now with Tony Samuel, Christina Hale, Mike Murphy, and Jennifer Wagner. So much to talk about uh, this past week. Obviously, we were discussing the hate crimes bill and what this means next for Indiana. And just so much, I, I suppose, of you know one of those Rorschach tests we see in politics these days, depending on which side you look at it. People are seeing different things here about the end result. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, we can say on the one hand, we've got a hate crimes law now. But we can also say we were 46th in the nation to get one. And we didn't really do it all that well. We left a bunch of people out. I get what you were saying, Mike, I, get, I see you have your statute, you came prepared with your printout, but I mean, does that make it a good law that we basically said, and everybody else? No, it doesn't. That's The governor, you think, comes out of this uh, strong, but obviously he's had to walk a very fine line. Oh, he has, which is the nature of the issue. Everybody's got to be careful about this issue. You look like you are anti one group or anti another group, but the fact is, all governors start off with a wish list, and no governor accomplishes his entire wish list during the course of a session. 
That's what it's about. It's about compromise, give and take, incremental progress, and that's what we have to accept. Well, and the state party actually did put out um, a, a whole uh, email that listed quotes, reaction from people, including the Indiana Chamber, who said they would have liked to have seen more, like gender identity, and Micah Clark uh, from one of the family groups. Uh, it's like you said, a lot of groups involved here that have a stake in this that uh, feel very differently about the issue. That's absolutely true. And, you know, this is for the people. This is clearly it didn't make very many people happy at all on the right or the left. But I think what's important is, yes, governors don't get everything. But he did say, I privilege this. This is my top priority. We're going to get this done. And he got a lot of bipartisan support when he stepped up to say that. And I think he created a great deal of hope among a lot of people that then he was not able to deliver on. This has kind of been the big dominating issue at the State House. Uh, has it taken away from uh, perhaps more attention on other on other topics uh, so far this year? Uh, no, not like I think folks thought it was going to in the beginning. Everybody was talking about it's another RIFRA and, and, and things are you know going to fall apart because if this doesn't get done, not they, found level, a way, they found a way to get it done. The governor is, I got this email on Friday, uh, is taking credit. Um, and others will, um, and it's kind of a shame that not everyone feels they can because it's over now. I mean, it's done, and the folks that are going to continue to attack uh, are not getting their way. So it's a bad position that they're actually putting themselves in. Remember last fall we sat at this desk and I said, the Stuart Wall bill will survive, or his language will mm -hmm. survive, and I said in the end, everybody will claim some form of victory like the chamber did. We want the governor to sign this mm -hmm. bill. And so that's the way the process works. And as I said earlier, we have to accept it. It's not a perfect process. They aren't perfect people. Mike uh, was right. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. 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 Mike was right. Mike emailed <laughs> us this <laughs> week. He emailed us about last oh, week yeah. being right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I played the game for 16 years. No, there's the gloating right. smile. Yeah. I knew it was coming. Yes. Exactly. He tries to play so cool, doesn't he? All right, let's talk presidential <laughs> politics. Uh, we, we talked about the Joe Biden situation earlier on the program and also the Pete Buttigieg announcement coming up. Uh, next Sunday. From your view across the aisle as uh, the Trump campaign prepares for 2020, um, how do you view some of these dynamics in the Democratic Party as uh, Joe Biden leading in the polls, but now uh, perhaps facing some struggles on, on this particular topic? And, and he'll continue to struggle, but then that'll get replaced by somebody else that rises, and then they'll get hit by something, and they'll, they'll continue to struggle. Pete booted uh, budget. <laughs> um, Pete, uh, boogity boogity, uh, I'm in trouble. What I would suggest for his announcement, if he wants to take it one step further, pick uh, his running mate. And I've got uh, a suggestion. Uh oh. A jug, Buddha Judge, Hickenlooper ticket. That oh, would be wow. just hard to pronounce. The most syllables in a industry in in ticket history. ever. Yeah. And uh, Hickenlooper, as you know, also Colorado. running for president, but yeah, Colorado. Colorado. Well, put those together, That's maybe Hickenlooper would yeah. What do you think next Sunday? We all know what he's going to announce. I mean, come on. We know special what he's going to announce. Right. I think it's going to be a very special moment. I mean, he's special to a lot of people. And actually, he's delivered in a way that I think not many expected. You know, how about these spontaneous moments when a reporter asks him about a, another uh, Norwegian national? He responds in Norwegian. I mean, it's almost straight out of central you, casting. You mentioned the word moment. Is it a moment? Is it momentum? What is it? This is a movement. A movement. Um, I think at the beginning, a lot of us, because we know Mayor Pete and he's homegrown that it was hard to believe our Pete is this real but he is everywhere man I mean the BBC the Guardian the um, 
today's show, Fox, he's everywhere and he's sustaining that and you know the proof is in the pudding when he comes in with his fundraising dollars, he wowed in that as well. So I think he's got real staying power. I'd, I'd say, I mean, I, I appreciate uh, Christina's exuberance about a homegrown candidate. They're, that's deserved in many ways. He's a brilliant guy and he's, there's a lot of attractive uh, elements to his candidacy. But I also believe he's sustained his momentum. The movement has lasted about two weeks, all right? So let's give it a little more time. We, we know the guy pretty well. We don't know him very well. When the national media finds a guy or a lady they don't know well, they start to pick them apart. It happened with Dan Quayle, it happened with all kinds of people. And so before we declare it a movement, let's let this thing stretch out for a little while. Right now, he's the darling of the moment. Let him have his honeymoon, his time in the sun, whatever phrase you want to use. And let's see if, we're, if he's still the darling come this September or October. What was that you just said? Like, yeah, wait, remember what, back in the fall when I predicted this on the hit Remember this. Okay, we're predicting this year. You predicted that Trump would be the That's nominee. That's right. Adam Wren, who's yeah. out in New Hampshire covering Buttigieg, predicted a couple weeks on the show that it would be a Harris Buttigieg ticket. And I could I, see that. And here's the thing. I'm not quite to movement yet. I think we're going to get there. I'm in mo past moment, into momentum, on our way to movement. I don't think it's the national media that are going to pick him apart, though. It's, I mean, look what's happening to fellow Joe Biden. Democrats. It's fellow Democrats. And uh. it happened in the Republican primary. You know why? Because that oppo book, however thick it is, becomes gold on the primary campaign trail. They're going to throw whatever they have, you know, whether it's the All Lives Matter stuff or something else, and, and see what sticks. And I think after that process, he's still going to be around. He tried to walk that back this week, saying he didn't understand the full uh, context but, of... But let's talk about that for a second. How you that know, phrase was being used. I think it was 2015, if I remember correctly, he said All Lives Matter. Now, to some people, some elements in this country, saying all lives matter is a, those are fighting words. To other people, it's common sense. And I think we'll see how it plays out. 2020, uh, only a year away, uh, but we're already moving pretty quickly toward those uh, first debates coming up, uh, I believe, in Miami, the first one in mm -hmm. June, and then one in Detroit uh, the month after that. We'll be up in uh, South Bend next Sunday. We're actually going to take the show on the road a little bit here over the next few weeks. Uh, I'll be up in South Bend next Sunday, and then we'll be at the NRA as well when President Trump comes. Uh, later this month, that's an event certainly uh, that will have a lot of national attention and an event the president has uh, gone to really every year since he's become a presidential candidate. Yeah, good for him, good for, for the state and the city for having that presidential visit and, and having the vice presidents earlier this week. Um, we, we touched on it a little bit, but uh, I might just comment. Uh, the president is doing uh, and has done throughout these two plus years a fantastic job of juggling issues. Uh, promoting the economy, all of the economic successes that he's had, and, and he can continue to do that, but still address what the serious issues of Mike's the point border earlier, the should crime. he focus yeah. on that more? Uh, well, I, I think I think he will, and I, and I think others that that uh, you know it also goes to other Republicans needing to really focus on the the sustained GDP growth and wages uh, rising for the first time in you know forever, and 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 seventy one percent according to CNN. Uh, saying they're better off, uh, the, the, the economy is But you know he'll want to go on the attack, too, on Twitter. Started. You saw yeah. it with the Joe Biden uh, tweets uh, this past week that, uh, that kind of got some backlash as well. Yeah. He's attracted to that chaotic kind of... He clearly he loves it. He gets a lot of excitement and reward from that. And the supporters and, love it, too. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only That's man true. in America that calls the New York Post to leak details of his own affairs 
I mean, he, and he acknowledges he did. Back in the day. I don't know oh, if he's called the New York Post. Well, yeah, yeah, he called Shock Jocks uh, too. Didn't yeah, he, he loved yeah. it. By the way, yeah. if you're looking for a place to bring the show on the road, a new it's, pal, Frosty Boy, just opened for the season. And it's a big deal. Is there a new political story we can cover there? Sure, right. Mayor's race there. Is there a mayor of New Pals? I wish I knew. The best cherry shakes in Hancock County. There you go. We'll, we'll see if we have time to make that visit, obviously, right? Uh, Vice President Pence's visit to Lebanon. Uh, what's your reaction on, on how that went and, and what he heard from farmers there about trade? Yeah, I, I said earlier, uh, was it an apology tour or a listening tour? I mean, he's kind of saying, sorry for doing this for the last year, but also uh, we need you to support this new trade deal that there are a lot of questions about. And I think he got an earful and rightfully so. People are hurting and they need answers. And the answer probably that they didn't want to hear was, oh, hang tight, I'm going to go back to Washington and let people know your thoughts. And you heard from the one farmer at the end of that piece there who said um, something like, if, if my equity continues uh, to go down, so might my support. Sure. And I'm, you know, when you put these photo op visits together, you try to have a sympathetic crowd. I'm sure every farmer there was a Republican farmer. But I'm sure what they did, though, was give him a polite audience. And then after he left, they spoke a little more frankly to the media. That's what you expect. The what, I was just going to say, the point of this was to get their support, uh, and they do understand that the USMC needs to be passed because they are hurting, but they've been hurting for quite a while. They need fair trade and open trade, and this uh, agreement with uh, Canada and Mexico will help to that. They also do understand what the president is doing. You know, for years we've battled these trade wars and we've been losing. The president's getting tough. It does take a little bit of time and a little pain here and there, but they're, they're mostly supportive, and I talked to somebody that was there. And the president heard from a lot of Republicans this week, including Senator Todd Young, who spoke on our program, uh, glad to see that some of the threats on closing the border have been walked back. I think many people are glad about that. It was certainly brinksmanship, and I know many of my Republican colleagues were just kind of like, where is this coming from? There's a little bit of breathing room. I think somebody got through to the president with some common sense, and he backed off very wisely so. Mitch McConnell had mentioned that earlier in the week, other Republican Well, leaders. and also Mexico has been uh, stepping up, and the president's noted that, so he's giving them a year before uh, car Senator Young mentioned that So it wasn't well. quite so urgent as no, they've been No, it's urgent. I think everybody is now realizing we've got a crisis there. All right, anything else on our radar here before we wrap it up for the week? Potholes, apparently, <laughs> but potholes. I guess everyone here is sick of talking about it. I wasn't here last week, so Jim Merritt, all mad. <laughs> oh, potholes, I think, are a central issue this year. It's, yeah. it's funny because... When, when Bart Peterson lost, you know, it, it wasn't the huge things. It was, it was people rising up, Democrats and Republicans, property taxes. about property, property yeah. taxes yep. in 2007. So, you know, he, the Mayor LaGuardia in New York City in the 1930s said, you know, filling potholes, picking up the trash, and keeping the city safe are not partisan issues. All, that's all you got to do to be a popular mayor. Mayor Buttigieg, uh, also on the pothole issue, he's taken some zings from people who say, ah, Hadn't fixed all the potholes in South Bend. I don't know if any mayor can fix all the potholes, right? Oh, I mean, no, especially not in Indiana with the kind of weather that we've experienced always and kind of with climate change. But they've been bad. Say, they've been bad. They've been bad, particularly bad. I'll say one I issue that from the State House that we haven't discussed but is really significant. It's something that Tony and I actually have worked together on regarding renewable energy and common sense energy policy. Um, making things transparent for consumers and also affordable when you go to pay your utility bill. Um, Ed Soliday, Representative Soliday, really through an amendment without hearing any public testimony, made a move to uh, 
change the way and really privilege coal once again here in our state. It's a big deal. It has to do with air quality. It has to do with how much energy is going to cost us, and people really need to be paying attention. It also has to do with politics, because it's an 18-month moratorium, which just so conveniently lends itself right past the 2020 election. Good point. But there's another element that if I were a reporter, I would be digging more into, the motivation behind that, because Ed Soliday represents northwest Indiana, that the last time I looked doesn't have a single strip mine or or, uh, deep, deep coal mine. So... What made him decide to do that? It wasn't clamoring from his constituents. No, he's also got NIPSCO up there, with, which wants to take uh, their coal-fired plants and turn them into renewables in the next less than 10 years. It's so will they be able to It's not gotten a lot of attention. No? We give it all to you right here. Tony, you get the final word. Yeah, I was just going to say on that, um, there is a lot to be concerned about because it is also going to hurt economic development and economic growth from uh, you know the, the building of these plants and, and costs, most importantly, to uh, consumers, uh, consumers of electricity, uh, without these, uh, you know, renewable and gas plants going up over the next two years, uh, that's going to actually raise co- costs for consumers. I've been to South Bend a few times. I don't know it nearly as well as you. Where should we go next Sunday? Get a bite to eat. Well, there's all kinds <laughs> of great places. There's, um, I would go to, if you can get in, they'll let you in. The, the, uh, the <laughs> if they'll let you in, Dan. Uh, the, West Side, the West yeah. Side Democratic Club, which will be even more popular the week later on Dingus, Dingus Day. Day. That's true. Um, that's, that's a great place. What's the, no, like the big bars near Notre Dame? Uh, well, O'Rourke's oh, is yeah. Well, and there's the place right by, the, is it New Rockney's right next to the uh, yeah, stadium, and then if you right, want to yeah. really go to I've a scummy <laughs> Notre Dame bar, there's the linebacker inn, which is open there till four go. in the so morning. So you can get in there, but Dan oh, might not be able to. It's not scummy. If you don't right. want to smell like puke, <laughs> exactly. you might, yeah. We'll choice. leave it there. Uh, we got to go this week. We'll, we'll see you again next week uh, as we hit the road and uh, cover some big events in our state coming up over the next few weeks here on In Focus.